Welcome, everybody. We start today with a confrontation. Members of the media increasingly asking both President Joe Biden and California Governor Gavin Newsom, are you plan B? Is Gavin Newsom plan B if fill in the blanks were to happen to Joe Biden between now and November. Now, the fill in the blanks could be almost anything. There's the if Biden dies before the election scenario. There's the if Biden decides he is just a transitional president and he says he's going to step back, whether it's because of hypothetical health reasons, as some will put forward or because the DNC comes in and strong arms him and pushes him out. Whatever the scenario, whatever the circumstances, this is now a story and a discussion that has gone mainstream enough that Biden himself is being asked about it. So prior to departing for California, President Joe Biden asked about it. Gavin Newsom in California awaiting the arrival of Joe Biden asked about it. Let's start with Biden being asked about this is going to California part of setting up a plan B for 2024 with Gavin Newsom. I will uh, admit that the audio of the reporter asking the question is a little bit hard to to uh, to hear. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Well, I'm looking for I'm looking at you. We're looking at you. All right. So Joe Biden just kind of writing it off as a joke, asking the reporter if he's ready as the plan B for 2024. Uh, and then Gavin Newsom asked about it and Gavin Newsom very much prepared. He's being asked about this increasingly regularly now. So, uh, President Biden's coming out to California tonight. He'll be in the Bay Area tomorrow. Uh, and uh, I hope to be invited uh, to his inaugurals for his second term as president of the United States. So the question, of course, was, um, what about you jumping into the race, Governor Newsom? And Newsom says what he's been saying all along, which is I support President Biden. I will vote for him. And I imagine that he will be inaugurated to a second term. Now, I, I have to tell you, there are people who there there's a lot of uh, as is unfortunately often the case in these situations. There's a lot of I, I hesitate to use the term extremism because it's not really about ideological extremism. But there's a lot of black white on this. You have a group of people who are convinced Biden won't make it to November slash has no intention of actually being the candidate. There is a plan for it to be somebody else. The question is who? On the other hand, there are those who say you shouldn't even be asking this question. It's ageist. It's inappropriate. Let me tell you where I fall. Joe Biden is in his 80s. Statistically, this isn't about my opinion, my desire, my uh, my assessment of Biden as a president, which I think he's been good. Statistically, it does make some sense to say if an 81 year old dies, who replaces them? I don't think that's crazy. I don't think it's crazy to ask that question. What seems to be too much to me is to go way further and to say, there's a plan to insert Michelle Obama because Biden hasn't even been in charge. It's a weekend at Bernie sort of situation. For me, it's he's 81. What is the plan? And here's the reason why knowing the plan is important. And I'm not saying I need to know it, but there should be one. If for whatever reason it's not Biden, does the Democratic Party get behind Kamala Harris? Do they get behind Pete Buttigieg? 
Is it Gavin Newsom? So that there is no confusion, you set up a contingency plan in advance. You have a contingency plan for if the president dies while in office. We know what it is. The vice president is sworn in, then it goes to the Speaker of the House. Then it's I actually don't remember. Is it Senate majority leader? It's, it's never been an issue, so I don't have that memorized. So why not have a plan when it comes to a, a nominee as well, particularly if the nominee is in the 80s, in their 80s? That doesn't mean uh, that you have to buy into whatever conspiracy theories are, are being promoted. Here's a bonus clip, by the way. Speaking of 24, Joe Biden asked, would you rather run against Nikki Haley or Donald Trump? And Biden just waves it off. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. And that's obviously the right answer. Any answer that if Joe Biden were to answer that by saying I'd rather run against Nikki or I'd rather run against Trump, it's problematic no matter what. It's, it's sort of like, is he making an endorsement in the Republican primary if he answers? Is he indicating who he thinks he could more easily defeat? It's there's no good reason for Joe Biden to answer that question. And I don't care seems to make perfect sense. So. Is there a contingency plan for Joe Biden is a very reasonable question. The conspiracy theories, they're not for me in maybe the least surprising bit of news related to the Hunter and Joe Biden criminal investigations and impeachments and all of it uh, that I could imagine the arrested supposed informant Alexander Smirnov now admits that Russian intelligence has been behind the Hunter Biden story. Why does this keep happening? Why once again are we in this situation? Axios reports the FBI confidential source charged last week for allegedly providing false information about President Biden and his son Hunter Biden implicated Russian intervention, according to court documents. Alexander Smirnov, 43 years old, admitted that, quote, officials associated with Russian intelligence were involved in passing a story about Hunter Biden per the government's memorandum in support of his detention. Prosecutors alleged in the filing that Smirnov told an FBI handler the Russian intelligence service intercepted several phone calls placed at a hotel by prominent U.S. persons the Russian government may use as compromat in the 2024 election. They argued against his release alleging Smirnov was, quote, actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections after meeting with Russian intelligence officials in November. Um, I'm going to be honest. I started to get suspicious about this entire story when they introduced the blind computer repair guy as a supposedly central figure in the laptop story, the blind laptop repairman who couldn't confirm who actually brought him the laptop, I guess because he's blind, uh, but knew to go to the most important authority on such matters, Rudy Giuliani with the laptop after digging through it for files. That is so ridiculous at its face that that's when I started getting suspicious about this story. And if you zoom out a little bit, you know, did we really need to hear about this related to Alexander Smirnov? The idea is that the son of a former vice president and supposed multi multi millionaire from all of his deals with Ukraine and with China, his only option to get his laptop fixed 
is to go to some hole in the wall Delaware computer shop with incriminating files on the laptop and risk them being found as opposed to the fact that the Bidens would have someone they can call for tech support who would be sensitive to the potentially uh, uh, sensitive documents on their laptop. No, he just goes to the blind hole in the wall computer repair guy who happens to be able to get Rudy Giuliani to come take a look at the hard drives on a whim. None of it really makes any sense. And so I understand that some will react to, well, listen, Smirnov was arrested for making up the story. And now you believe him that Russian intelligence was feeding him some of the story. Why would you now believe a guy that lied? Supposedly things get very real once you get arrested. Okay. And there's no reason now after being arrested that he is going to make this up doesn't really make sense to me. So obviously, anytime you mention the word Russia, you've got a huge contingent of people on the right and a smaller contingent of people on the left who go, no, these are obvious lies. You can't believe it. These aren't trustworthy people. Anything Russia related is just trumped up. Okay, well, let's follow the documents. And let's also consider how ridiculous this entire story was from the beginning. I want to hear from you. Do you believe this or do you not believe that Russia appears to have been involved in this entire Hunter Biden fiasco? Do you believe that now Alexander Smirnov has some reason to lie when he's already been arrested for the things that he said that weren't true? Let me know your thoughts. We will certainly do a follow up. We'll take a quick break and be right back. When I'm doing any kind of my work, prepping for the show, whatever it might be, I love a standing desk, an adjustable desk that can go up or down for sitting or standing. It gets the creative juices going. It's good for your health. There's really no substitute. And the one I've been using for years is the one from a company called Uplift Desk. I love it so much. We asked them to become a sponsor. I've tried multiple standing desks from different companies. Uplift Desk is the only one that I really feel is sturdy and solid when it goes up and down. You can try to shake it, put weight on it. It just doesn't wobble. Lots of other things set Uplift Desk apart as well. When you shop for a standing desk, everything is customizable. The material, the size, the color, the wheels. I have the huge one with no wheels, for example wire management accessories. They really offer everything. Uplift Desk has been chosen as the New York Times best standing desk for the last four years. They have four point nine stars on Google. I've been a longtime customer. You will love it. I am sitting at one of these right now. I use it to record the show every day. My audience will get five percent off at upliftdesk.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman five. That's U P L I F T desk dot com slash Pacman. Then use the code Pacman five to get five percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. You've heard me talk before about the show's financial accounts being hacked. It is a horrible experience. It can happen to anyone. Look at the stats and our sponsor Aura gives you peace of mind. Aura is the all in one solution to keep your accounts safe. Aura scans the dark web for your personal info, emails, passwords, social security numbers and alerts you if anything is found and helps you fix the problem fast. You also get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura protects all of your devices from malware with state of the art antivirus. And Aura helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices with really easy to use parental controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your usernames and passwords could already be floating around. It takes just seconds to find out using Aura's free trial. So you can change your passwords if you need to. That's a u r a dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show, of course, is an audience supported program primarily through the membership program. I hope that you'll sign up at joinpacman.com. If you're finding what we do even remotely worthy of support, as many of you know, all other funding sources, YouTube ad revenue, Facebook ad revenue, etc., they all have been cut before for all sorts of different reasons. And so the way that we really become robust and have redundant funding systems in place is to go directly to our audience. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. We do an extra show every day for our members called The Bonus Show, and we've got a bunch of other great perks. You can also use the coupon code SAVEDEMOCRACY24, all one word, all lowercase, SAVEDEMOCRACY24, to uh, tee up a nice little discount off of the cost of a membership at joinpacman.com. A defiant Nikki Haley trolling much of the Republican establishment yesterday, announcing a speech about the future of her campaign for noon in Greenville, South Carolina. Fox News and others immediately thinking she's a, she's going to drop out. This is it. Nikki's going bye bye. And Nikki Haley announces that despite pressure from the RNC, Despite pressure from the failed former president, Donald Trump, who is a civilly liable rapist, which with multiple uh, civil findings against him and 91 felony counts uh, that he is up against, despite pressure from him, she is not dropping out. This was pretty well done because so many people thought this is it. She's dropping out and she did. I'm fighting for what I know is right, and I don't care what the party leaders and political elites want. I'll keep fighting until the American people close the door. That day is not today, and it won't be on Saturday, not by a long shot. 
Wow. The presidential primaries have barely begun. Just three states have voted. Three. That's it. After this weekend, we'll be at four. That's not a lot. In the 10 days after South Carolina, another 21 states and territories will vote. People have a right to have their voices heard. And they deserve a real choice, not a Soviet-style election where there's only one candidate and he gets 99% of the vote. This is so fantastic, not because she's going to win. She's not unless Trump dies or drops out or is forced out. She will not be the nominee, but it is going to force Trump to keep bleeding cash endlessly to devote time to attacking Nikki Haley. And Trump increasingly lacks the cash with which to fight here because of all of the legal problems that he is facing. So I think that this is fantastic. Nikki Haley takes on the issue of whether the whole point of this campaign was to be vice president. And she says it's seeming pretty clear that's not the case, isn't it? I'm used to people questioning my intentions. So I'll make a few things clear. Some people used to say I was running because I really wanted to be vice president. I think I've pretty well settled that question. Other people say I'm trying to set up a future presidential run. How does that even work? If I was running for a bogus reason, I would have dropped out a long time ago. The rest of the fellas already did that. They had their own plans. I don't judge them, but I'm still here. Nikki Haley also saying she doesn't feel a need to kiss the ring and she is not afraid of retribution from Donald Trump. Look, I get it. In politics, the herd mentality is enormously strong. A lot of Republican politicians have surrendered to it. The pressure on them was way too much. They didn't want to be left out of the club. Of course, many of the same politicians who now publicly embrace Trump privately dread him. True. They know what a disaster he's been and will continue to be for our party. They're just too afraid to say it out loud. Well, I'm not afraid to say the hard truths out loud. I feel no need to kiss the ring. I think this is super interesting. And Nikki Haley promoted this brilliantly. She hyped it as a major statement about the future of the campaign, which understandably makes a lot of people think she's dropping out because she has no mathematical path to the nomination. She's not winning even her home state. She got Fox News and others to carry this thing live. And then she just attacks Trump and says, I'm not going anywhere. Now, if I were a Republican, I would say this is terrible. They're extending something that is getting very ugly. They are making candidates spend money against each other rather than focusing on November. This is all bad for Republicans, but I think the Republican Party is is a completely abortive political party. 
So that's why I'm enjoying it. And uh, I think that this is a delightful thing to see Nikki Haley at one point tearing up about the reality that her husband can't be there because he's deployed overseas. I wish Michael was here today and I wish our children and I could see him tonight, but we can't. He's serving on the other side of the world where conflict is the norm, where terrorists hide among the innocent, where Iran's terrorist proxies are now attacking American troops. This is Michael's second deployment. It was hard for us to say goodbye to him the first time. And of course, in the background of this is the reality that for the most part, Nikki Haley has supported policies that result in military personnel being deployed overseas to all sorts of different places. That irony is not lost on me. It doesn't diminish whatever she's feeling personally. And I obviously am not in line with just about any policy advocated by Nikki Haley, other than the fact that she's pointing out Trump's dangerous and incompetent. But this was an interesting speech. The strategy and framing of the speech was quite effective. And good for Nikki Haley for staying in. I think it hurts Trump, and that's something I'm very happy about. Attorney General of New York Letitia James says she is prepared to seize Donald Trump's buildings if he can't or won't pay the three hundred and fifty plus million dollar civil fraud fine assessed to him last week by Judge Arthur Engeron. Quote, if he doesn't have the funds to pay off the judgment, then we will seek judgment enforcement mechanisms in court and we will ask the judge to seize his assets, said James in an interview with ABC News. She said she was, quote, very confident with the strength of her case on an appeal, which Trump says he will make and says that Trump's 40 Wall Street skyscraper would be a specific property that she could look at seizing, quote, we are prepared to make sure that the judgment is paid to New Yorkers. And yes, I look at 40 Wall Street each and every day, suggesting that that is a property she would seize. And then with the idea that some have been pushing that this is a victimless crime, she says, quote, financial frauds are not victimless crimes. He engaged in this massive amount of fraud. It wasn't just a simple mistake, uh, a slight oversight. The variations are wildly exaggerated. The extent of the fraud was staggering. If average New Yorkers went into a bank and submitted false documents, the government would throw the book at them. And the same should be true for former presidents. She was also asked about Trump's claim that as a result of this, everybody's going to leave New York. Business will be over. Tourism will be over. She said last I checked, tourism is up and Wall Street is doing just fine. Uh, I don't know that this is ultimately going to get to Trump's assets being seized, but boy, would that be uh, a sweet ending to this particular case as the criminal cases get going. There are those who are now making this personally about Letitia James. I don't see any reason to do that. We have the facts of the case. We have the findings of the case. We have a fine that's been assessed. Trump has gotten not just not just some due process, but the full totality of it. He is able to appeal if he wants. It does appear as though he is going to have to front at least a bunch of the money here of the civil fraud fine. If he wants to do that, that's the way things work. He doesn't get any special treatment or at least he shouldn't. 
and we are going to follow it very closely. The failed former president, Donald Trump, had a uh, what was slated to be a very easy and friendly town hall event on Fox News last night. It was hosted by Fox host Laura Ingraham. And I have to tell you, she didn't do anything special. She asked some very basic follow ups and Trump completely imploded, crumbling, crumbling in front of her. Supposedly, this was going to be a propaganda piece for Donald Trump to make him look good. And Trump damaged himself and imploded time and time again. Let's take a look at some of these moments. Here is the topic of mail in voting coming up. And Trump says it's fraud. And Laura Ingram points out Florida has mail in voting and you won in Florida. Is it really fraud? And Trump just looks confused and disoriented. How are you going to make sure that mail-in ballots and voter fraud, which we heard from a lot of people in line, was an issue front and center. They're very concerned about mail-in voting. So forget the past. What are you going to do to make sure we don't have problems going forward? If you have mail-in voting, you automatically have fraud. If you have... Okay, well, there's mail-in voting in Florida, and you won huge. That's right. If you have it, you're going to have fraud. But you won't. Because you don't have any... When you go into a voting place, <laughs> like you go into one in a, in a properly run state, they look at you, they give you give voter ID, you give all sorts of identification. I mean, it would be very hard to cheat in a mask. Laura Ingram keeps saying, well, Florida has voter ID and you won but you won. And Trump just goes, that's right. And here's why it's all complete and total fraud. And remember, Trump also voted by mail in the state of Florida. Laura Ingram saying to Trump, hey, you know, the whole classified document thing. Why didn't you just hand over the documents when they were requested of you? Why didn't you do it? And Trump wrongly says, I didn't have to hand them over, which is the wrong approach here, completely the wrong approach, particularly given that Trump is facing criminal charges over this. Why didn't you just hand them over when they were Requested though. I mean, they requested them. You could have just handed them over. Probably I was saved t- yourself a lot of trouble. First of all, I didn't have to hand them over. <laughs> That's wrong. Well, I would have done that. We were talking, and then all of a sudden they raided Mar-a-Lago. Do you remember? They said, "Could you put an extra lock on the door?" We showed them where they were. This is, of course, a lie. Trump was given month after month after month to turn over those documents. It was very clear the FBI didn't want to do the raid. The FBI didn't want to have to go in and do that, but Trump forced their hand. We showed them. Unlike being under a Corvette in a little garage with the door open all the time, we had these things locked. We were surrounded all the time by many Secret Service agents. We had Secret Service all over Mar-a-Lago. You couldn't take anything out. But what happened, and and when you take a look, Biden didn't have the Presidential Records Act. He's at great jeopardy, really. Biden has been cleared. And of course, it is Trump who is criminally being charged here. Trump pulls the immigrants commit a lot of crime stunt which how many times have we debunked that new category? I don't know if you've heard this, but I came up with this one. Migrant crime, there's crime, there's violent crime, there's migrant crime. We have a new category of crime. It's called migrant crime, and it's going to be worse than any other form of crime. You look at New York. Let me remind you, immigrants, both legal and illegal, are less likely to commit crimes than those born in the United States. This isn't one obscure study that has found this. There's a study looking at Texas arrest data from 2012 to 2018, and it found clearly undocumented immigrants have the lowest crime rate below native born citizens and below legal immigrants among a range of felony offenses. And it makes perfect sense. If you were in the United States and you were undocumented, 
you know that any interaction with law enforcement could lead to your deportation. You are incentivized to behave. There is research showing that illegal immigrants are 47 percent less likely to be incarcerated than native born Americans. And if native born Americans were incarcerated at the same rate as illegal immigrants, you would see way fewer natives incarcerated. And part of this is the disproportionality in terms of prosecution that exists. And then there's a study of violent and property crime rates that was done in 200 different metropolitan areas over 30 years. And what they did was they looked at as the uh, rate of immigration changed. How did the rate of criminality change? And as the immigration rate went up, the criminality rate continued to go down big picture because crime has continued to decline in the United States. So they love this one. Immigrants commit crime. Undocumented immigrants commit crime. They commit crimes at far lower rates. I should say we commit crimes. I'm one of these legal immigrants. We commit crimes at lower rates than natural born American citizens. Lastly, here or almost last, here is Laura Ingram pointing out there's no actual evidence against Joe Biden of any of the stuff he's accused of. Trump doesn't care. According to what I read. But they say Joe Biden, there's no evidence that Joe Biden received any financial benefit personally. And to that, you said, well, he's got a lot of houses all over the place and he's never been paid more than about one hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars, I guess, is the top. So all Trump now has after all the allegations about criminal bribery and fraud and all of this stuff, all Trump has is the circumstantial claim that Biden never made more than one hundred and eighty grand a year. And somehow he has multiple houses. Of course, Biden made millions from writing books, and that's completely public. It's completely public. Right or wrong, Biden made millions from writing books. And uh, that's why Biden has uh, an estimated net worth. I think it's somewhere around 10 million bucks. That's why. Uh, And then lastly, Trump says that the civil fraud fine levied against him is a form of what was done to Alexei Navalny in Russia. This is grotesque, disgusting stuff. This campaign, a huge amount of your time has been spent in court, in the courtroom in New York and, and so forth. Now, in this New York civil fraud case, this Judge Arthur Engeron ruled against you for almost a half a billion dollars plus interest that r- runs every day. When I first read this, like $87,000 a day. How would you put up that kind of money? Because you have a bond to put up. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's uh, it's a lot it of, is a, lot a of form of Navalny. It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. It is a form of Navalny. Trump having due process, having every resource available to him, not even facing prison time in that particular civil fraud case, and now having a fine levied against him, which he can appeal. That is like the assassination of Alexei Navalny in a Russian prison camp believed to be at the direction of Putin and his henchmen. This is absolutely disgusting. Trump is disgusting. Let's remember what is at stake in November. Let's all remember to vote. That's for damn sure. If you could use a little help meeting your weight loss goal for 2024, Give our sponsor PhD Weight Loss a call. They've been doing some amazing things for people. They make the weight loss journey simple. 
They do one-on-one coaching with their certified team of compassionate, encouraging dietitians. PhD weight loss helps real people get results through lifestyle modification based on protocols from successful clinical trials. You get an initial consultation. You review your history, your lifestyle, your goals, your goals. You create a customized plan of action. It includes food and lifestyle. And then their team of dietitians and counselors are at your disposal every step of the way. If weight loss is something you're working on, check out PhD weight loss. No severe calorie restriction, no medications, pills or supplements, unsustainable exercise routines, none of that stuff. PhD weight loss has an approach that focuses on behavioral change, nutrition education, and they take an overarching holistic approach to your body and habits. The founder, Dr. Lucas, is offering a free workshop just for my audience on February 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern, where you can learn more about PhD weight loss, why weight gain isn't your fault, evidence based approaches you can implement on your own right away to improve your health. Sign up for the free workshop at davidpackman.com slash PhD. They've helped over 7,500 people drop weight. You could be next. That's davidpackman.com slash PhD. The link is in the podcast notes. One of the longest running David Pakman show sponsors is Magic Spoon Cereal. They have been with us for years, and it's only because my audience loves Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has really reinvented your favorite childhood cereals. Each serving has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four to five net carbs per serving. It is keto friendly. It is grain free. And you can relive the moments of watching your favorite cartoons without the guilt and the sugar. My favorite flavor is maple waffle. So nostalgic, but it also comes in great flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry muffin. Also check out Magic Spoon Treats, which are the perfect on the go snack. They are like the marshmallow treats you had as a kid, but with only one gram of sugar, one to two net carbs and 11 grams of protein per bar. And they just launched two new flavors of Magic Spoon Treats, blueberry muffin and double chocolate, both delicious. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It is backed with a 100 percent happiness guarantee. For any reason, if you don't like it, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman to create a cereal box bundle. Grab some Magic Spoon treats for being on the go. You'll get $5 off with the code Pacman. That's magicspoon.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for $5 off. The info is in the podcast notes. It's great to have Cenk Uger back on the show, host of The Young Turks, author of the book Justice is Coming. And most recently, just like in the days after our last interview, also a candidate for president of the United States seeking the nomination, the Democratic nomination against Joe Biden. So, Cenk, I want to do this in parts so that I think it'll provide the most value to the audience. Yep. The first thing is let's talk about your eligibility now. Whatever applies to you applies to me. In other words, I also wasn't born in the United States. I don't think I'm eligible. I think it was the intent of the founders to make sure that I not be eligible. And I think that that's wrong. So, so far, I think we're on the same page. I believe you should be eligible. I think Arnold should be eligible. I think I should be eligible if this was something I wanted to do. What is the state currently 
of you getting a ruling that says you are eligible to be president of the United States. Yeah. So there's a couple of different issues here. So number one, uh, there's the ability to run. And number two, there's the ability to serve. Yes. So on the ability to run, uh, the FEC has already ruled that natural born citizens can run for president. Whether they're eligible to serve is a different question. Right? Sorry, Jenk, I hate to interrupt. You said natural born. You mean naturalized, right? No, I'm sorry. I mean naturalized. Yes. OK. You. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, and uh, on top of that, now we've got the issue in the Supreme Court over because of the Trump case of can the states even adjudicate constitutional law issues like this or do they have to put you on the ballot and let the courts decide whether you can serve or not? So that the Supreme Court imminently might come out with a decision that says the states cannot make that decision, whether it's Section 3 or Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, right? So now, in terms of where I am with the case and the second half of yes. can I actually serve, so we sued South Carolina, and that's the 4th District, uh, and at the district court level, the judge said on three occasions, wow, this is the best brief I've seen in a long time. This is an excellent case you guys have made. Uh, at the end, because uh, he's at the district court level, uh, he he ruled against us. And the reason for that is you don't want to get overruled. And so the conventional wisdom is, and some cases are, that we cannot serve. So he went with that precedent rather than what he thinks, I, what it appeared that he thought was a very persuasive case. So I can tell you what that case is now. So I am interested in starting this maybe with Schneider v. Rusk from 1964. Maybe that's an appropriate place to start. Now, I've I'm not a lawyer, right? So I'm relying on the opinions of lawyers and things that I have read. My understanding is that the Supreme Court ruled in Schneider v. Rusk that you can't treat naturalized citizens differently from natural born citizens, that that's unconstitutional. If that's we stop there, well, Treating a naturalized citizen by differently by saying they can't be president by definition violates that. However, I've seen a lot of legal responses and legal opinions that say that simply doesn't apply to eligibility to run for president. That's separate. It's unique. It would need a specific declaration. What do you say about that? Th that part is true. So some people take it further. And, and so Schneider v. Russ says for sure, naturalized citizens, natural born citizens, are 100% the same, discrimination against them is impermissible. Yep. But in dictum, in just half a sentence, they say they're leaving the, the issue of the presidential qualification aside. Yes. Okay. So now some people take that further and go, that means that they thought that you couldn't serve. No, they didn't address it at all. One way or the other. One way or the other. They just left it to the side, right? Yep. So at the same time, that means that I can't say, oh, they definitely said that I could serve because they clearly put it aside, okay? Yes. So that's where Schneider left it. You really, really shouldn't do this, but we're not gonna rule on the presidential issue, okay? So now that's the Supreme Court. Um, our argument is, because people get stuck on, well, what was the intent of the framers? What was the intent of the, four? and, and if we, you're right about the 14th Amendment, and the core of the 14th Amendment argument is, it says in the 14th Amendment, all persons born or naturalized have equal protection and due process. Mm -hmm. So if you read it in its plain meaning, there's no question that we could run for president. If you go with the plain meaning theory, right? But all of a sudden conservatives are like, ah, I don't know if I like the plain meaning theory, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, but constitutional law is more complicated than that. 
So then uh, people think, oh, you should look to the intent of the 14th Amendment framers then, because the original framers become irrelevant. The amendment is what's relevant. And did they really intend for naturalized citizens to be able to run for office? Well, number one, I would say yes, partly because think about it this way. Um, the slaves were not natural born citizens. And it would be absurd to say that the slaves after the 14th Amendment couldn't run for president. True. Totally absurd. So I think that they actually did intend it. But there's not a lot of language in the um, from the framers that clarified one way or another. And the court in, for, in the Fourth Circuit said, you're right, it is not at all clear what they intended, at a minimum. Okay? So they might have intended that, yes, you can serve. Now, but David, let me get to the most important part. And Larry Lessig, legendary Harvard Law professor, made this point, and, and I think it's so compelling that we almost certainly went on this eventually. When the 14th Amendment was passed, women did not have equal protection or due process either. They, at that point, they couldn't vote. They got that right later in the 19th Amendment. Not only that, they couldn't run for office. But here's the interesting part. After the 19th Amendment, they could vote, but they still couldn't run for office, any office. So what Lessig says is, well, yes, but 14th Amer uh, Amendment jurisprudence later reversed that decision, the, those laws across the country, and said women could run for office based on the 14th Amendment, because the 14th Amendment has been interpreted as providing equal protection to protected classes like race, gender, sexual orientation, and right. national origin. So... It's actually, that's why the judge said so many times, man, this is this is a lot better case than I imagined because no one's actually forced them to think this through. And, and so right now we're in the circuit court and I don't know that we have enough money to be able to execute this in enough jurisdictions to be able to win. But if I yeah. don't win, the guy that comes behind me is almost certainly going to win. Well, so that gets me to the next. So I think the arguments are good. I think it's abundantly clear that we need some kind of declaration. How can we be a country of immigrants and also none of them can be president? I mean, it just and people can say, David, you have a personal interest in this. I do and I don't. This applies to me, but I have no interest in running for president. So, you know, that I'll, I'm being totally upfront about that. So then we get to the timing and the practicality. If I understand some of the things you've said publicly, Jenk, your intention here is not to become president of the United States. Part of this is about seeing what you can do on this eligibility issue and what can we do about, I believe, if your position hasn't changed since we last spoke, fixing what you believe is an impending problem with Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee and, and trying to improve circumstances and defeating Trump in November. Is that the primary goal here? Yeah. So the three goals have always been the same as day one. Uh, so but there are it gets adapted to the circumstances of the race as we go along. So I always said goal number one was not the naturalized citizen issue. It was to knock Joe Biden out yep. so that we would have a great candidate against Trump. I think that it's malpractice to say we should take a candidate that's polling 10 points lower than the average Democrat and run him against the existential threat against democracy. It's I, I can't believe the Democrats are contemplating it. I think that they're finally going to change their mind. I think Biden is actually going to drop out at some point relatively soon. But 
Look, I, I've been right about that from day one. Now almost everyone agrees from Ezra Klein to Nate Silver. Yeah, it turns out Jank was right. He's not going to win. It's not even going to be close. So I'm still on that war path. And, and I need Democrats to understand, please do not let mainstream media brainwash you. It doesn't hurt your team to have the best candidate. It helps your team to have the best candidate. I did. It's Alice in Wonderland. Media switches things so that reality is on its head. No, he's obviously super weak. And his favorability is in the 30s. Literally no one running for federal office has ever recovered from ratings this low to win an election in an election year. Ever. Ever. Okay, so that's point one, and I'm still on that. Uh, point two is the naturalized citizen thing. It's an injustice. Yep. I, when I see an injustice, I can't help but try to address it. And as we just talked about, I'm very likely right about that as well, whether I win or the next guy wins. And then um, the third thing is uh, to push forward progressive priorities. So in the beginning, did I have around a one and a half percent chance of actually winning the whole thing if I won my court case, et cetera, et cetera, if I'd gotten a series of miracles? Yeah. Do I now even have a one and a half percent chance? Probably not. Mm. OK, but something happened david that makes this race even more compelling now not less compelling even though i have i went from very very low chance to probably no chance of winning at this point mm -hmm. so the what happened was since biden might drop out after the primaries then every delegate becomes worth its weight in gold so progressives would actually be crazy not to collect their delegates in one candidate so if you get to 15 percent in any state you get delegates. And if Biden drops out, he's not going to hand it to Kamala Harris. There's going to be a delegate fight. Old school conventions. This is exactly what happened all the way to 1968. There's no reason why we can't do this. There's a hundred reasons why we should do this. At that point, Gavin Newsom, Pritzker, Whitmer, et cetera, are competing. The delegates, Biden delegates are not going to give it to me. There's a 0% chance of that, right? But if progressives had 20 delegates, two delegates, 200 delegates, whatever the number is, then we can negotiate for something that we care about, something that the American people want. So we should amass our votes and our delegates under a candidate like me, and I am the only progressive left in the race now. Uh, so that, that's that been my argument. And if I was out of the race, I swear to God, and somebody else was in, I'd say, collect all your votes and delegates under that person. It's so obvious. Please do that. Don't give away your power. All right. So let's go through a couple of these different things. Now, I want to make it really clear. I just have an opinion and it's sort of different than Jenks. It doesn't mean I'm right or Jenks, right? We have to wait and see, right? We, in other words, we are making assessments based on the information we have. Am I concerned about Biden's age and uh, um, <laughs> well, effervescence? Yes, <laughs> I am. Um, do I think it makes sense to have an answer? I don't know that I need to know it personally, but should there be an answer that the DNC has of what happens if an 81 year old doesn't make it for whatever reason? There should absolutely be an answer to that. There needs to be some kind of plan. I assume and I know you're saying there would be a fight. I assume the DNC would say the plan is either Kamala or it's Pete Buttigieg or it's Gavin Newsom. I assume they would have some name. I don't know what that name is, but here's where I really kind of have a different 40,000 foot view. When you look at polling in 2012 between Romney and Obama at this point, Romney on average was up two. 
Okay, so it's not like a blowout that Romney. Oh, my God, Obama. Romney was up to. And as we know, Romney ultimately lost. If I zoom out, no matter what's going on, incumbents get reelected 75 percent of the time. If I look at the economic data, it's pretty good in a lot of ways. Unemployment sustained under four percent first time for this long in like 50 years. GDP numbers look pretty good. Inflation's down to about three, which is the goal. Wage growth that has actually outpaced inflation per period. I don't have to give you the whole list, but like economy looks okay. Um, I look at Biden's accomplishments. I see three major pieces of legislation, inflation reduction, you know, the Chips and Science Act. We could do the list. More student loan debt forgiveness than anybody else wants cannabis descheduled, which I think I've been waiting 15 years for that. Now, will it happen? Does he genuinely want it? Is he doing it because he knows it won't go through? We can right? OK, but so he's at least asking for that earlier today, six billion towards updating water infrastructure as progressive. We've been saying, look at water, look at Europe and look at the US. We got to deal with water. He's doing six billion on water to finally get these lead pipes. I could give you the full list, right? When I look at all that, I think to myself, man, that that's pretty good. And usually you get reelected as an incumbent. I think it doesn't look as bad as Jenk thinks it looks. That's where I'm falling based on what I see. Yeah. So, David, both of those things are true. Your point of view is true and my point of view is true. So that leads people to a significant confusion. Yes. How could they both be true? Right. So let me explain. Yeah. So. Number one, on his accomplishments, yeah, if you look at it as a the low bar that we have, which is that politicians get nothing done, Democrats get nothing done, uh, and Biden actually got 15% of his agenda done. And then you look at that 15%, and those are the things that you described, they look pretty good. And yeah. I'm super psyched about the water infrastructure, et cetera. And you can see, look, as a candidate, I'm the same way as I am as a talk show and as a regular person. I'm honest. So I'm not going to it's not binary. It's not zero or one. The idea that Biden didn't get anything done is preposterous. No, he got yep. those things done and they're pretty good. Right now, from a progressive point of view, an average person's point of view. Yes, but we needed a lot of change and you just trashed the rest of your agenda, which was terrific and really popular. But put that aside. OK, OK. And uh, in terms of the economy, I, I give me even better grades. I think the economy is amazing. Uh, is it amazing for the average person? No, but that's not on Biden. Biden, Obama, Trump, Bush, they all have the same thing where the rich get even richer and, and the middle class continues to struggle. But within that context, Biden did a pretty good job. No, a really good job of keeping unemployment low and bringing down inflation. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. OK, yep. so. OK, then you're wondering, check what the hell's your problem? That sounds like it's a, definitely a little bit better than the average Democrat at a minimum. Right. Yeah. Not as good as a progressive that I would want that pushes for paid family leave, higher minimum wage, uh, lower drug prices, et cetera. Uh, OK. And, and if we got into the weeds of those policies, I think I could convince a lot of you that it doesn't it's not anywhere near as good as it looks. OK. Even though it's an improvement on what we had. OK. But that all of that is not the issue. The issue is whether he's going to win or not. So mm -hmm. if you said to me, Joe Biden's definitely going to win, I'd get out of the race right now. And I wouldn't say another word about the election. OK, not not because I think Biden's great. I think Biden's monstrous in some ways. I mean, we talked about the upside that, in my opinion, the downside, among many other things, is he's letting Israel massacre people in Gaza and he doesn't care at all. 
slaughter after slaughter after slaughter. And Joe Biden's like, who cares? How does it affect my politics? Okay. But even that, I'm saying I'm willing to live with that because I think Trump would end democracy. I'm not willing to live with it. I'm going to fight Biden 200% on it, right? Right. But, but, but Trump would end democracy, so I take the Biden win. But he's not going to win. So let's go to the Romney thing. Yep. So it's actually not true. I've looked at that graph a thousand times because people keep saying it as if it is. Obama once dipped to around 43%. That's, I think, around the lowest he ever got. Right. But he dipped there and then he bounced back up, whereas Biden has gone straight down on his popularity and dipped all the way to 33 percent. An incumbent in the 40s has a very low chance of winning an election. An incumbent in the 30s has a zero percent chance of winning. It's literally never happened before, not just for, for president, for any federal office. So as much as you might love Biden, as much as you might think, oh, it's being so unfair to him. He did a good job with the economy. It doesn't matter. The, what matters is, is he going to win or isn't he? Let's pause our conversation with Jenk Uger there. The full interview will be on the YouTube channel today. None of this weekend stuff. YouTube.com slash The David Pakman Show. One of our sponsors today is Manscaped, your destination for male grooming. Manscaped's new lawnmower 5.0 trimmer is your key to looking and feeling good all over. It's equipped with two skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever you want. And it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower for guys who want the full grooming experience. Go for Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0, which comes with the lawnmower trimmer, but also the ear and nose trimmer and some essential aftercare products like the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Deodorizer, plus two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag. Manscaped is trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, including me, there are only a couple of products like this on the market. Manscaped is the one you want to go with, whether you're shopping for yourself or a guy in your life. Go to manscaped.com and use the code Pacman for 20% off and free shipping. That's M A N S C A P E D.com. Then use code Pacman to get 20% off and free shipping. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, drive by uh, Coltsville before focusing in on some Tim Scott statements about the state of the Republican primary in a moment. I'm going to play for you something extremely disturbing. Again, probably a don't let kids watch this one sort of moment because this is extremely weaponized cult membership. This is a right winger who hosts a show called Wrong Think named Anna Sanchez. And she shares a bizarre, almost like a Trump sex fantasy. And again, as if we really needed another reminder of the level of cult that this is, this is really vile, vile rant. This is rancid. It's fetid, fetid, rancid stuff from Anna Sanchez describing uh, how Trump is essentially a um, <laughs> I'll just let her say, explain it to you. I've interviewed him once and then I met him once at an interview and we talked about trannies and then I told him he was my first crush, which is true. Oh. I used to watch The Apprentice all the time with my parents, and I would I told them I was like I'm gonna marry Donald Trump, and my parents were like okay, 
like you're a kid and this man is like 50 years older than you. And I was like, you don't understand. Right. What we have is different. <laughs> I was like delusional. I'm not even kidding. Like, this is totally true. And I had a poster of him in my room. At least she admits there was a delusional element to this. And I told him that. I've told the story like 8,000 8, times. Like, you don't need to hear it again. But I love telling it because it's just funny. And And that day was like the craziest day of my life. I sat there. I had lunch. And I apologize. I might have I might have wrongly said Anna Sanchez in the introduction. This is Anna Perez. I, I, I'm sorry if I've said the wrong name with him. And he was like, whatever you want, like, I recommend this. It's not on the menu, but you guys got to try it. You guys got to try it. Such a nice guy. And he kissed me not once, but twice. He huh. grabbed my face. He grabbed me by my face. Some people would consider it sexual assault. And you know, I don't know, just like I almost fainted hmm. and I don't get starstruck because, you know, I, I've met a lot of famous people working in this industry, but really? that was one moment when I was like, it, it really made me, I don't know. It just really was, oh, everything boy. came full circle in my life. It was very exciting for me. Okay. So but don't tell Melania, obviously. Just kidding. She, she probably would not care. Wow. So, <laughs> so that is what it is like uh, to be in a cult. It is a complete separation from reality and, and social norms and ability to critically think about what's going on around you. And um, again, part of this, what's the point of this? The point of this is just remembering to different degrees. These people are cult members like like Anna. And there's no, hey, do you know the effect that Trump's tariffs on China really had? That's not going to get you anywhere, right? It's, it's laughable, the idea that you would present some fact like that uh, and be able to have any kind of productive conversation with these folks. So we've got to make them politically irrelevant. We have to vote in such large numbers that people like this who see Trump almost as a deity in front of whom she almost fainted. Um, it just they just have to not matter politically. That's the bottom line. Tim Scott did a round of interviews over the weekend. I meant to get to this Monday and then Tuesday and it just got pushed. But I, I don't want to let these clips go by the wayside. Tim Scott has become a sort of self humiliating um, uh, yes man, essentially around Donald Trump, similar to Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, similar to others who have dropped out and have kissed the ring. And he was he being Tim Scott was asked on CBS a very good question. Should the Republican National Committee be paying Donald Trump's legal bills? Is that something that makes sense? Just why? Why? Why would that be when it's based on alleged criminal wrongdoing by Trump and Tim Scott opts out instead by sucking up to Trump comes to former President Trump. Senator Scott, do you believe the RNC, the Republican National Committee should be involved in paying his legal expenses, which are amounting? I can only tell you that without any question, when you look at the two tier justice system that we have that I just reinforced, I think it's important for us to note that without any question, the American people are very concerned about how that would impact their lives. <laughs> this is th this is the Trump thing where he says, if they can do this to me, they could do it to anybody. We know they can do it to anybody. The question was, would an elite like Trump 
actually be held accountable. And so Tim, Tim Scott's doing the same thing. And by the way, not answering the question. Their issues are very clear, by the way. The American people are more focused on their future than Donald Trump's past. What they're more focused on is making sure that our southern border is secure. <laughs> We're looking at almost 10 million illegal crossings by the election. The American people aren't asking the questions about legal challenges. The American people are asking questions about economic challenges. There you go. So basically, the American people care about other things, and also Trump was unfairly uh, persecuted so I guess in Trumpish ism, which I think is what Scott is speaking there, he's saying, yes, the RNC should be paying Trump's legal fees. Tim Scott was also asked, should Trump stop calling Nikki Haley bird brain? And Tim Scott demurs. You're speaking of name calling. You say focus on the issues. Should former President Trump stop calling Ambassador Haley bird brain? Well, I, I think her, her son should stop calling me Judas Iscariot. So there's lots of things that we can talk about, but let's just keep our focus on the American people and why it's so important for us to, as elected officials to focus on their issues. So even on the slinging of ad hominems at Nikki Haley, should he stop calling her bird brain? Even there, he won't answer. And then switching from CBS to CNN, here's an interview with Jake Tapper where Jake Tapper says, would you have certified the election on January 6th if you were in that position? Tim Scott also doesn't like this question. Your fellow vice presidential hopefuls, Elise sure. Stefanik and J.D. Vance, have both said that they would not have certified Joe Biden's electoral college victory if they had been vice president on January 6th, 2021, if they had been in Mike Pence's place. Would you have? I'm not going to answer hypothetical questions, number one, and I'm, I didn't know that I was a vice president hopeful. Thank you very much, Jake, for letting me know where I am on the, on the uh, scale. I'll simply say this, that having four more years of President Donald Trump means that we'll have low inflation, low crime, we'll have record low unemployment. We saw that happen for the first time, African-Americans seeing unemployment under 6%, Hispanics for the first time under 5%, Asians under 3%. The all right. So you get the, the you get the whole thing. The question was about the crux of maintaining democracy. And he's listing unemployment numbers. Tim Scott, truly pathetic. He wants to stay close to Trump. He's desperate. He sees this as his opportunity. What sort of role might he get in a forthcoming Trump White House? And he is willing to throw every bit of morality and ethics uh, into the toilet, flush it 10 to 15 times to stay near Trump. Hopefully he feels a little bit of shame while doing it. That's my hope. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. OK, this voicemail is, is satire. OK, this is a parody of the people that call me and attack me. This is this one's just and say I'm going to eventually vote Trump or what will happen to me when Trump wins. So this one's satire, but it's well done. David poopy pants man. You love your Biden, don't you? Just love that man, that 99-year-old looking piece of garbage that doesn't know what he's talking about. Love that guy, don't you? Well, that's unfortunate because he's not going to win. Trump's going to win. The big T-rump. Yeah. The chosen one by the good Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> mm. How are you going to react to that when that happens, pal? JK. Ha! Go Biden. Peace, brother. 
All right. There it is. Um, yeah. That, uh, surprisingly, I didn't realize it was a joke until the very end, because that is actually what a lot of these Trump people sound like when they call me. They go, David, you're really going to suffer when Trump becomes president and progressive independent media explodes once again and all of your shows do really well. It's really going to be terrible for you. And by the way, Trump might also lower your taxes. I am voting for Joe Biden, maybe despite the best interests of progressive independent media, because it's the right thing to do. And that's all I would ever consider doing. We've got a great bonus show for you today. We'll talk about the allegations against Fonnie Willis in Georgia. We will talk about the new AI task force and what they're up to. We will talk about the future of Rudy Giuliani's defamation appeal and so much more when I am joined by producer Pat on the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Don't miss it. And we'll be back tomorrow with a new show.